Hey, uh, here we are with our first Cardinal Esports podcast from uh, Ball State University. Uh, my name is uh, Nathan Valdez. I am a sophomore uh, studying uh, technology and engineering education. Uh, and I am the podcast manager for uh, the Cardinal Esports organization that we have here on campus. Um, and today I got two uh, special guests with me today. Uh, if you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Alex Glavin. I go by Lurch Tree Leppy. I'm a TCOM sales and promotions major. Uh, I am the head coordinator or coordination king for the Cardinal Esports group. Uh, and I just pretty much coordinate the coordinators. It's a, a lot going on, a lot, a lot of fun. Um, I am Corbin Creedon. Uh, I'm a junior here at Ball State with a m- major in computer science, a minor in computer technology, and I am the president of Cardinal Esports. Uh, been been a part of it ever since I've been a part of Ball State for about three years now. This is my first year being president, um, and more or less I just kind of oversee m- the general operations of Ball State Cardinal Esports and make sure that we're satisfying the mission statement and moving forward in a productive way. Awesome. Well, with that being said, uh, this first podcast that we're going to put out um, is to everybody that doesn't really know what the term esports is uh, or for people who just aren't really that technically game inclined, uh, which brings us to uh, esports. What is it? What's the impact it has? And why it's a big deal. Uh, so today we're going to be starting off the, the with the main question is, uh, what is what is esports? Uh, and Larch, you want to go ahead and start us out? Yeah, um, esports is kind of a broad definition for competitive, um, basically just competitive video games. So like your League of Legends, your Overwatch. If you can have two teams or just two players up against each other um, in a match-style format, um, that's pretty much esports. Really, if you can compete in it, if you can play and outskill someone, it's kind of an esport in like a really general sense. Yeah, super super general sense. There's uh, deeper stuff to it, but like really, when you break it down, if you can play it competitively against or with other people. It technically is an as as long as it's a competition. That's the biggest issue or the biggest thing yeah, that we're looking part. at. Uh, especially too, like the actual dictionary dot com definition for uh, the word esports is a multiplayer video game played competitively for spectators and usually played by professional gamers. Um, believe it or not, these uh, esport events draw in. Millions and thousands of spectators. Tons of viewers. Uh, you know, per game. Dota, the Dota 2 International that just happened last year. Dota 2 is a MOBA. It's really popular in China and uh, developed by Valve, big money company. You know. You want to tell us what MOBA is? MOBA is a massively online battle or multiplayer online battle arena. Um, it's just you get one team of five against another team of five, and they have to more or less take over the other team's base and you can do that different a different set of ways but most MOBAs are consistent with that underlying principle much like a lot of esports categories such as uh, the esports sport games like NBA uh, NFL f- uh, FIFA 
they all kind of have the same underlying thing as the original sport. So that's kind of how it is in esports as well. Like you have all these different categories of games, like shooters, you have mm-hmm. uh, puzzles, you can have uh what's another one i'm kind of blanking like on. rts kind of games yeah rts uh, strategy strategy games card um, games mm-hmm. most common uh fps games first person shooters um overwatch yeah overwatch is one of those uh call of duty call of duty, call of duty. that's a long standing mm-hmm. one rainbow six siege rainbow six. halo when it wasn't halo 5 <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh and so one thing that I get all the time, especially from, you know, my mom, at least, I'm going to throw her into this somehow, is, uh, why do you watch these people? Why why is it fun? I mean, you're not playing the game. What do you get out of very, that? Very, very common yeah, complaint. Yeah, it's a very common one that I get all the time, because um, whenever I'm at home, uh, whenever I do go home, uh, there's always some kind of event going on, and I kind of usually always have it on my phone or my computer in the background just so I can keep tabs on it. Uh, and that's one thing that I get all the time. So uh, why why do people watch esports? Like, what's the big deal, and why do people why, – why do you watch it? It's, it's kind of funny because if you ask that same question with normal sports, you're going to more or less get the same answer. Why do people watch sports? Why do people watch esports? You're not – watching it more i mean you are watching it because of the activity because you're seeing them play an activity that you also can possibly do and that's kind of the cool aspect of it because anyone can play basketball anyone can play baseball but no one can play it at a really high competitive level much like these players can that you're watching so people watch lebron to see lebron do amazing stuff in basketball people watch Faker and League of Legends, who's one of the top players because he does amazing stuff in League of Legends, like just completely demolish um, an enemy team using only four keystrokes. And that's quite impressive because you have to have not only the intelligence and wisdom to pull off those playmaking skills, but also the dexterity and mechanics to be able to click all those different places and hit all those buttons in very specific locales. So that's one of one of the biggest things for me when someone asks me why I watch esports is just because I want to see amazing players do amazing things, which they've been working on more or less the majority of their lives for. And that's kind of what I think. What about you, uh, Larch? Well, so for me... Um, I don't honestly think that it's any, like, one thing that I've been able to lock down where I'm like, oh, this is the reason I enjoy esports. I've always been a big sports fan. Um, I've played video games my whole life uh, when I have time now. Um, But I I think, to me, it's a combination of players getting to, like, do the, the thing that they really love and have a passion for and, like, seeing that come out when they play well, when they don't, when they win, when they lose, um, and just the camaraderie behind it, like the sense of community and like live or online, like you get so much out of just watching and like interacting with it. Um, that it's kind of like, it transcends itself in a way like what, like with football or with soccer or with hockey, um, you get those big moments where you see people get, you know, there's, uh, 
golfer sinks an 80 foot putt and the crowd around on just the 18th goes, goes nuts, nuts. Go crazy. and he's you know he's thrown his Clubs. fists around and he's freaking out and high-fiving his caddy and stuff like that that happens in esports when, oh, yeah. when a team wins a base race in league of legends or a starcraft player um Successfully. an opponent or in especially in fighting games for me the one in was evo for tekken 7 this year mm-hmm. when little majin won a match i mean the crowd went absolutely went bonkers and he stood up just oh, are you not mm-hmm. entertained like to me it's the whole it's the event but it's the moments that come out of the event oh, yeah. that i just really absolutely and, adore and the build on top of that the the coolest thing to me about esports uh, that's a little bit different from normal sports that I wish normal sports would actually start to integrate a little bit more is more of a fan kind of community because a lot of esports are featured on Twitch.tv and how Twitch.tv works is whenever you're watching something besides this thing that you're watching there's also like a live channel of text from like a live chat room from all the fans who are watching at the exact same time as you and reacting and that makes it feel more like a community and the coolest part about that is especially if you're just like watching a streamer or one of your favorite esports players just do a normal stream and practice you can interact with them and like interact with the other fans and that's what that's what really drives it home for me because it makes it feel more like a community and also not even you know with the aspect of just the fans interacting sometimes even the fans interact with the players yeah uh the you know but if it's like a live stage event um then there's an actual in-stadium audience that watches them and then there's it's also generally hosted you know um on any number of uh, online services, uh, YouTube and Twitch being one of them. Mixer. Uh, mix two of them. And Mixer as well. Mixer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and that kind of goes in the same way because with the audience that's there in the stadium during the, you know, during the event, uh, you know, their feedback is right there. And, you know, there's, you know, at most probably about five, you know, two teams of five, so about ten players on a small stage. Um, and they have headphones on, but I mean, during those it. events, oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, feel they it. can feel it. Yeah. Um, especially too, if, you know, if it's a, a shooter game or, you know, some high action game and then a player just really pulls something crazy, uh, you know, it's just domination. You know, the crowd goes insane. If you ever, if you ever watch an Overwatch League game and like a player does a high high you know skill play mm-hmm. such as eliminating the entire enemy team or taking out a key player that totally ruins yeah, their strategy is, yeah. they the crowd goes wild and the players react you oh, can yeah. see the players like react to the the crowd and that's really really amazing i i already said it but like with with fighting games um, fighting games especially fighting games the crowd is the most reactive i think in fighting games because there's a real sense of like when somebody starts a combo and even if they drop it, you'll get the buildup of like, oh, he's going to destroy him and he uh, drops it. The whole crowd yeah, just like, like holds their breath. Um, it's like you yeah. can feel it in the room. Even if you're not there, even if you're just watching it on mm-hmm. Twitch, you can feel that buildup to just like, oh, no, it's not over. And then something will happen and they'll freak out. Yeah. Like it's a whole nother feeling. Um, with CSGO, there have been times where I, like I was in New York on the stage there and it was like, when Liquid Team Liquid was playing, it was like 
dude, there were times when, like, the crowd's chanting for certain players, and they pick it up big, and the crowd goes nuts, and then the other team comes back and swings three rounds back, and the crowd falls silent. Like It's crazy. It's a whole... There's no technically home team, but depending on where they're playing, like you can feel that in the crowd. You can feel who the oh, yeah. crowd's pulling for. That's definitely there. And and to go back with, the, with these fighting games that he's talking about, um, these fighting games are typically um, one player versus another player, um, and the games themselves are relatively simple. It's just different uh, numbers of uh, uh, button coordination, buttons mm-hmm. combinations um, that do certain moves. Uh, and each player generally has, you know, a, a player, a character in game that like their specialty, or they know a couple, you know, to counteract, you know, another player's character. Uh, so that's w- what uh, Larch was talking about uh, regarding those fighting games and the combos and everything coming down off of that. Yeah, um, fighting games are one of the more purest forms of esports, I would say, because. Uh, I mean, fighting. even to a point, like, it throws it back to, like, mm-hmm. you know, old times gladiator arenas, 1v1. Let's just throw one, one guy against another. And yeah. it's, uh, let's see who uh, lives at the end of the game. Right. Who, who really is the better player yeah. is what it comes down to. One of, one of the core things that makes a video game an eSport is more or less if it's balanced and also has that easy-to-grasp skill floor that anyone can just kind of like pick up the game and understand but a massive skill ceiling that only a few players can perfectly master their character only a few players have I ever seen have quite mastered their character and it just goes to show through their gameplay because they're just able to think on the spot for every situation and that's just what makes it really oh yeah yeah and especially too with these fighting games they have such high skill levels um, oh, and you know so, having man. to like memorize Dude. all the combinations I, and how to get certain stuff going I if, it's just, just insane. If a couple people heard me talking on this, if they listen to this, uh, especially Guido, um, they would be upset that I'm going to say this, but I am absolutely uh, terrible. I'm total trash at fighting games. I can pick up most games really quickly, like just ge- like generally understand the game, but like, dude, I'm so bad at fighting games. It's like not even funny. And the the skill, skill ceiling is ridiculously high because not only do you have to master knowing... All of your moves and what they do and all of your combos and how to set them up and transition them all and stuff. But you also have to be able to know what your opponent's going to doing, be doing on a high amount of characters that are possible mm-hmm. to play. Yeah. So it's like there's so many things you have to know just mm-hmm. even from a base level that it's like I don't think I could be any worse at it to be honest with you. That- and, and actually kind of throw this back a little bit uh fighting games were one of the first types of esports yeah uh Um, even back in you know uh arcade back in arcade arcade days there Uh, was street fighter street fighter tekken mortal Kombat, Kombat. and they were set up to be versus it was yeah yeah two two spots on an arcade setup and you'd Beat Just up the other guy. The mass and joystick and not, four buttons. Not, not many Literally. people realize it, but that was kind of how esports, yeah. more or less, more or less started. Started. Uh, which, it's just from competitive yeah. gaming, and such as that. That also brings us into uh, kind of a, a more subtle history of the esports, um, and uh, and that actually starts out, uh, you know, in the mid '80s. 
uh, in the early 90s. I was just kind of surprised why adults, you know, aren't, uh, aren't more inclined to video games because they grew up in the era of arcade games. Uh, I know my dad tells me all the time that whenever he was, you know, had a free weekend, he was either at the roller rink for one, and then at the other one, he was at the arcade. Yeah, my parents, he, yeah. like, met at a roller rink and were there all the time. <laughs> and they had a have a giant up arcade still in that oh, yeah. roller rink. So I think that, that was pretty common back then. I just think that, like, there's kind of a stigma because of how it was back then. Because it was like, oh, when we relaxed... We went Vi- to go vi- video, video games, games were, at an arcade. Uh, yeah. Video games were more seen as like a leisure activity, mm-hmm. and not many people made the connection that you could go competitive in yeah. like the style of video games. What while, play a fun video game? and yeah. make a living out of it. it that's that's insane. At a, at a competitive ridiculous. level, no way. And Kids that's... need to find a real job. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you can play a game for twelve hours six days out of the week and make a living off right and then you have people just play basketball as kind of like a leisure free time fun time and still make the connection that like hey people do this for a living you know i think that the other thing that doesn't help is that traditional sports are heavy like physical activities Mm -hmm. basketball if you play it for five minutes is super tiring if you're not in good shape like that game basketball is a non-stop back and forth and you really feel it soccer is the same way if you're not doing it a lot you really feel it because it's very physical but with video games you're typically sitting looking at a screen so i think that there's something that comes from that as well that you're not yeah i mean you're moving like you're fingers and your thumbs and your arms but like you're not up actively moving around so i think that that doesn't help that there's kind of a thought of like you know couch sitting because of old consoles yeah it makes it it makes it seem less of a sport because you're not really doing all that right much. right from from a from a point of view of just like outside point of view but if you really delve deeper into it a lot of video games require skill. A lot of video games require hand-eye coordination and a basic understanding of what's going on, like an input into the controller to an output that's coming out into the screen and that you're able to visualize and get information from. That's not really too different from normal sports, again, because it's like in normal sport, you have rules and regulations and do's and do's nots and strategies and that also is in esports as well. Like right. there's there's rules. There's less of rules and more of laws of like what the game allows you yeah. to do. Like essentially anything you can do in the game is allowed, unless if it's like banned through rules or regulations. But for the most part, everything you can do in the game is allowed. So mixing all those different sorts of mechanics to give you the end result of winning is really what it's about. And there are like nuances. Like with traditional sports, it's like. How does a soccer ball go off certain body parts or the way you kick it or, like, where your foot is? The air pressure of a football. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, you know, deflated? (laughs) Are we going to run into problems because of that? Uh, But in video games, there's the same kind of aspect, which is how do certain mechanics in the game interact with each other? Mm -hmm. That's, like, something you don't see on the surface level, but people are practicing and figuring that out every day to get those nuances that you would get like if you're trying to kick a soccer ball in different ways. Mm -hmm. You don't see it at a surface level, but when you're 
at those very high levels, those are the things that make the difference. Those are the things that make or break you. Right. And kind of moving along in the timeline, as people started getting good at games and games started to be a little bit more developed, we started moving into where it started to become truly competitive. Like uh, like when PCs came out and PC gaming was on the rise. Yeah, 1990s. Star, StarCraft came out. Ugh. And people are super into that. My baby. The true birthplace of esports is in South Korea. Yeah. Uh, they just kind of had a different culture over, over there, and it mostly revolved around video game esports. Like, esports first got televised and were publicly televised in South Korea, and they had gaming labs and computer labs that were just specifically for gaming, and the whole kind of culture revolved around less of sports in the physical sense and more of sports through electronic sense. Like, StarCraft became super famous, and people were really into that. StarCraft's a a real-time strategy game where you control an army and a base that can produce more troops. Same thing with your opponent, and you essentially have to take over their base. And that was where a lot of... um, a lot of where esports started and it just kind of grew from there. Most most esport competitions have a very very big Chinese audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean League of Legends for Last Worlds had like what 130 million it was, Chinese viewers. It was nuts uh, how many numbers viewers were that insane. had. But I I think another place at least in America like like Korea was very influential in that they were the big stepping stone for like a public viewing of competitive esports. Yeah. But I think in the US, the form came out of things like Halo, Combat Evolved, the original one, Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. it was like people love this game so much and playing against each other that people were driving and flying across the country to go to other people's houses to play. There are full documentaries online. Oh, yeah. Certain. Um, competitive tournaments just starting based off that. A lot of the melee scene started from people's houses and like just playing all the time like, hey, let's get this bigger. But that's kind of where the the American market started is these house-based and and just friend groups going like, we we could do something bigger here. Mm -hmm. Let's get more people involved. So I feel like with Korea, it was a very like methodical thought out explosion like it was well planned and they they did it very well in terms of a public like not just playing but like making the competitive scene happen where in the US it was a very organic like backyard kind of thing it just kind of grew from roots and stuff uh so here we are today kind of Moving, moving along, and the timeline of how esports has evolved. Now today, some games are made with like the thought process of: Do we want to make this an eventual esport, or not even an eventual esport? Do we want to design this with the esports slash competitive scene in mind? And a lot of games are doing that nowadays. Overwatch was originally 
just a team-based uh, 6v6 shooter uh, where you could play as different people and more or less your goal was to either move an objective along a track to the end or take control over control points, kind of like King of the Hill style. And then it kind of grew from there. The the people you could pick started getting balanced so they weren't overpowered against other people you could pick. And the maps started to kind of develop to be a little bit more friendly to the defending and to the attacking sides and to make sure that they had equilibrium of balances. So nowadays, a lot of developers make video games with that in mind. And that is the biggest step that's really been made in this in the scene because in the past when games started getting competitive and people started to master them they would also master the exploits so and, then, and with the bigger just just to kind of continue on that with the bigger uh the bigger approach or what word am I looking for the bigger arrival of these games that came with more esports kind of influence it also demanded a little bit more production quality so when you look at esports compared to sports they more or less require the same amount of production quality and management thought. yeah which is what i was gonna was what i was gonna introduce uh next was what is you know we just talked about uh, all these examples of how you know a video game relates to an actual sport like basketball and uh, you know other things that require physical activity um, so is esports a sport would you guys consider it a sport um I mean from my view there are certain differences with traditional sports there isn't necessarily things that you can lock down because of the physical realm of stuff. The rules are created in mind that you have to have rules because otherwise certain things that shouldn't be allowed, quote or unquote, um, are possible. But with esports, it's based in a video game realm where the physics and the setup and what you can do and can't do is very rigid. There isn't... Super rigid. Sure, there are glitches and stuff that'll happen, but that's not designed stuff you can't do things like in soccer with where like you could just grab the ball with your hands like you could do that but it's against the rules so you're not allowed to in video games it w- if you play fifa you there's you no really there's no really option to press a button to pick up the right. ball because not many not that's just it's just not possible because it's not programmed to mm-hmm. do that but outside of that that's a small thing. I think I hear that argument a lot. Is yeah. Why it's not a sport. That and like I mentioned before, the f- the non-physical aspect kind of, of video games. It's very intensive in hands typically, but it's not very high physically demanding yeah. outside of that. Um, and as we got right here, the actual definition of a sport is an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or a team competes against another for others entertainment yeah uh, which is pretty much a video game minus the physical exertion part there is some, um, I, w- I would argue that there is some physical exertion uh, yeah I mean it's with just uh, mostly just the level of like on straight yeah like on stage it's mostly in and hands and fingers just, you know. and mm-hmm. to, to me the biggest aspect of a sport 
is the mental game going on. Oh, yeah. This sports themselves have a lot of mental aspects of them and that's why you have all these coaches you have all these analytics you have psychiatrists psychiatry yeah, <laughs> yeah. Si- sports psychiatrists and they all just kind of mesh together to form this one giant think tank that's just how do i become the best at insert sport here yeah. and what are the best strategies to get the most out of my playing right how do we elevate our team to the next level mm-hmm. oh yeah and, and that and is that's going, in esports yeah and going yeah. off the top of like the elevation you know with the team building is there's it's a team building experiment it's not really an experiment but it's a team building exercise i mean there's at least four other guys of a team of five or maybe three of a team of four and, and it's you guys literally get together and you sit down and you know play an actual competitive thing in like a virtual world um, and we talked about it earlier too. Um, the amount of skill that it takes for you know these players to develop um, over these games just really just shows like you know it's it's time that you have to put in and practice this. Yeah, you, it's uh, not. Yeah, it's, it's not like you're going to be sit down and then be phenomenal at it first time. That, you can't sit down having barely played and be. Faker, for instance, who's considered like the best league player in the world. Mm-hmm. Just you know, like how you can You know, the best Fortnite player in yeah. the world. You're he's, not just going to run into yeah. him and dominate him if you don't play the game that much because he just knows the game at such yeah. a better level and he can execute at such a high level that you're just going to be absolutely overwhelmed even just by his presence and he's just going to shut you down mm-hmm. immediately. Listening, listening to that... How can you really say that that's all that different from basketball? Where right. if you were to play against someone like Steph Curry, Steph Curry, he would just drain threes on yeah, me all he, day. He would just, you know, wouldn't even consider you an opponent. No. Really, <laughs> Michael Jordan could probably still dumpster me, it, even at his age, and it wouldn't even be close. Like it would not be close at all. And he doesn't. I mean, I'm sure he plays like sporadically with older guys in probably less intensive leagues, but like older leagues, or just pick up ball, but he could still absolutely throw me in the trash oh, because yeah. I don't play basketball. I'm not expecting to walk up and just be like, oh, I'm going to stuff MJ at the rim four times and show him what's up. He's going to crush me. To kind of take it from the physical exertion, exertion and skill thing, uh, I want to bring it to more how others want to watch it for entertainment. We kind of covered this, why would anyone mm-hmm. want to watch esports? But that just goes to show, like, the same reason people would watch normal sports, they would watch esports for. So I just wanted to cover that yeah. again before and, and, we moved you on. You know, the viewership of, you know, actual sports you know is rivaled by yeah the amount of viewers that happen during you know these esports esport events that are uh broadcasted sometimes even espn does the broadcast on tv i mean i got a 150 plus million viewers across the world that's that's olympic numbers so dota 2 which is a rival game of league of legends some would say uh, I have their international of 2017, which is more or less their biggest tournament that they that they have so far. Um, they have it every year, and they invite all the biggest name players, uh, excluding the Chinese viewers. The total time watched out of the 109 hours of airtime was 
uh, 44,241,699 hours. <laughs> and insane. that's without the Chinese viewers. With the Chinese viewers, that bumps up immensely to like 509 million Jeez, and almost half. Jeez. It's, it's pretty insane. Man, we're a very productive bunch, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, we mentioned all these viewers and how much you know esports actually does in the actual in the world but uh the impact of it like that's it that's another thing that's um that's insane um you know as far as brands taking esport players under their wings and uh and sponsoring them and uh it's just insane coca-cola just uh sponsored um somebody um so a guy from League of Legends, um, and all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, a big one to me, <laughs> and it partially goes back to the our esports a sport. You know who's a big sponsor of really high level players? It's Red Bull. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Red, Red Bull. Bull. Red Bull goes under a banner of pretty much if you can do it and you're the best and it's physical or competitive we want to sponsor you mm-hmm. that's what we do if it's a sport we're going to sponsor you and they're a they have a bunch of different players that they sponsor across the board that are they're considered athletes by that company they actually fall under their athletic banner and they even show up in things like their magazine yeah they're they're actually considered like uh, athletes yeah. to Red Bull. Yeah, one of uh, this. This is more or less a different way of looking at it. But my f- my favorite impact that esports has kind of like shown me, and it's dawned on me kind of over time, is how accessible it is to be a part of esports. It, even if you don't play video games, you can still be a part of esports, whether or not you're just a fan of video games and you like to watch them. Uh, you want to be in production because it esports requires a lot. It requires a constant network between the players so they have uh, good connections. It requires a team of people broadcasting it to a wide audience. It requires analytic, analytical uh, teams to see what's happening and see what they can find out from it. But it also is just easily accessible by many people. Yeah. If if you play video games, you could potentially become an esports player. No if, ands, or buts about it. If you happen to be like disabled in any way to where you're like an amputee because you're a war veteran or because of a birth defect, you can still play video games with a specially designed controller and you could play at the same level as anyone else. Like that's not that's not like sports in a way because you can you can still play basketball, you know, if you only have one arm, but you're not going to be the best at it. Right. But with esports, you can. Like, there's there's really not too much holding you back. Well, I will say that, I mean, you. it's definitely, I mean, it's possible, per se, to be the best. But a lot of times with things like basketball, if you do have some sort of physical, physical disability. disability, you're put into a different competitive environment. Mm-hmm. But with esports, that doesn't really happen. No, not at all, you really. You play against the same people regardless. And it's the same for men or women. 
you you're playing typically in the same bracket. It's just who's the better player and who's got the drive to be the best player. Um, to to me, the biggest impact goes back to what you were saying. Not only are people involved in watching, but also making the whole thing happen with broadcasts yeah. and competitions. And I mean, teams have full staffs and so do the organizations and whole production teams to put stuff on and the viewers on top of that. And there's so many people involved now from top to bottom. I think it was 2016 I saw um, at the place I was working, it was like $2 trillion had been a part and like revenue out of esports in like 2015, 2016. And it was like, you don't think about those things because you're focused on what you're playing or watching, but like the amount of just overall people and the fact that it's growing at the pace it is, is absolutely staggering. And it's it's a huge pop culture thing now even. With people like Ninja and Fortnite being as popular as it is, so many people now are just drawn into playing and watching that the impact on society and how we view even video games now. Before it was something like you played in your basement and like, you know, your parents were like, you need to do something productive. And now it's like, oh, you're playing with your friends all the time. It's the same thing, but it's, it's, it's a, a it's totally a social activity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Versus like your online friends versus yeah. your and you know your real and life now friends. it's also a job. So yeah. you know how hard it is to play basketball with your friend that lives cross country in, in Iowa, Nebraska, who's yeah. eight inches taller than you. <laughs> yeah. You know how and that's that's super hard. You know how hard it is to load up a uh, Rust lobby or a Fortnite lobby and have him join and you know play with them not hard at all not not even in the slightest and it feels no different really it feels like i'm just in the same room with my best friend playing video games um and one of the larger impacts that just still awes me is uh i came across this statistic on this article uh uh, published by uh by grin and it's uh it's i'm just going to read the segment to you guys it says uh esports fans generally belong to the 21 to 35 year old age group the stereotype of school or college kids with no social lives playing video games in their basements no longer holds true, which is kind of what we were just talking about. Uh, the new zoo study revealed that half of American esports fans actually do work full-time, and 44% of them are parents. That's like a little less than half of the population watching these games are you know, their parents, and they actually do things for a living. Um, and then if we also think that video game is a male-dominated space, think again. And 38% of esports fans are compromised, or uh, are, are comprised, compromised. compromised, sorry, excuse me, are comprised of women, according to the same study. Uh, so what, less than half of the population. What is that from? Uh, it's from the Grin, uh, grin.co. Uh, and it's, it's just insane to think that uh, even last year, uh, 20, sorry, 2016, um, the League of Legends finals had 43 million viewers and you know just for north america yeah uh which is staggering compared to the super bowl oh my gosh i don't and the i don't NBA finals i don't think that this has been said uh at all on this pro- podcast but league of legends is like a free-to-play game oh yeah, yeah you anyone anyone can be a part of that huge community just 
by signing up with an email and that's mm-hmm. all that's still the, that's my that's my favorite part about it I is that started, so open and accessible to anyone I started playing league when it first came out like and I mean like within the first week of it coming out uh and I still to this day and I will never forget watching things like uh one of the characters in the game is named Vane. They were doing a preview of her, and they were, like, in one of the community manager's basements. There were, like, three of them just doing a broadcast uh, on Twitch. Before it was called Twitch, it was Justin TV. Justin TV, back that's then. right. And, I mean, their their production quality was bad. <laughs> like, their their audio was terrible because it was – they were part of the company – they were community managers, but they didn't have the resources or the money to do something, and they were just doing it more to show it off because they got approval for it and they just wanted to do it. But, like, that happened, and then League had their Season 1 World Finals. Uh, if you can count it as a World Finals because Korea wasn't in it. Uh, but that happened in like, a, one, in, like, a basement. It was pretty much a basement. And there was really no one viewing it because nobody was there because it was so much smaller. And now we're, you know, we just had the season eight world finals. And 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 it was comprised of so much. So many people saw that. 43 million people across America and Europe. That doesn't even include the 130-ish million Chinese viewers. (laughs) I mean, that's a stark change over eight years. It's so huge. It's crazy to me that, like, the change has been that immense over this time. And if... uh, If anyone were to ask why it's a big deal, that would be your answer right there, is that so many people are just paying attention to it. Why are sports a big deal? Why are politics a big mm -hmm. deal? And it's it's growing so fast. And the thing is, it's not like things like football in America, where it's pretty much exclusive to America, or how hockey, I mean, hockey has a bunch of European market, but they don't have an Asian market, really. These games are everywhere. They're global. They're America. They're Europe. They're South America. Like, you can go anywhere, and people are playing these games, and they're involved in the community, and they're competing against each other it's not just a niche thing for one section of the world it's a whole connecting thing across the globe that that can't be ignored as an impact at all how many how many people at ball state do you think play fortnite oh among the male population at least i want to say maybe at least half i I would say i would say half yeah, that, that's that's a pretty half, that's a pretty good how, guess. How many people do you think have a game system or a computer that can play games? Most on? people, Mo- most, most people that come to like college, or a PlayStation. Give me like a percentage guess. You, think. I, I, I would say eighty percent of kids. I, I would, would think yeah. more than that. I would say seventy. Mm-hmm. I would actually go lower. But. I, I would go higher. I'm going eighty-five, ninety. I think that it's a lot more than you think because this is something we've all really grown up Gr- with. Yeah, yeah. You were saying the thing about the parents. That are watching now. Those parents are starting to have kids now, and, and that's just going to keep rolling. Kids getting, you because know, we grew this. up with, you know, the N sixty four, with the PlayStation two, the GameCube, Mario Xboxes, Kart sixty four, three sixties. Like that was a part of our lives, and I think that the amount that it still perpetrates and is a part of, especially now, college students' lives. Like, what do people do when they get together in dorm rooms and relax when you walk through? People are playing... Smash. Yeah, playing yeah right now it's mostly Smash. Nintendo, yeah. Yeah, 
Because people want to beat their friends. You don't want to. You don't want to <laughs> lose to them. You want to show up the people in your dorm and crush them and talk a bunch of smack. It's fun. It's and, super uh, fun. And, and also too, like this number of and how it growing, like how esports is growing, it, it shows with the the numbers. Uh, Twenty twelve, uh, the industry revenue, one hundred and thirty million. It's not much. I mean, it's a lot, but it's it's all right. Bigger. Twenty seventeen, it's almost five hundred million. By 2020, it's estimated to be $1.5 billion. And it's just the exponential that it's going is just insane. And, this and it's it's not, you know, just because of, you know, these parents introducing introducing these kids to these things. It's just us as a society is how we're uh, putting new levels of social interaction because not everyone can have a active social life right. with their friends. So especially if you're mm-hmm. like away from each yeah. other, you move or like you're in rural yeah. areas that don't have as many people. And then that that works and that game developers got to, you know, keep their mind onto that, uh which is why they develop these games with uh with esports in mind as Corbin was saying earlier. So like what makes a game a good esport like why why is a game an esport that we can play competitively versus one that's not okay so this is something that i think that we could debate and talk about for forever but to keep it short to keep it short um, and concise in in my opinion as somebody who works as a referee uh, and an admin and a league operator it's not viewership it's not player based numbers people would argue that all the time I think, in in my opinion, it's a game that is well set by the developer, upkept that they care about the community, and the community cares about the game mm-hmm. and plays competitively against each other. You you said you said one of the biggest keywords that makes a a game an esport caring and like caring. Yeah. If yeah. you have a developer that genuinely cares about how their game is and how people react to their game and how the game <laughs> influences <laughs> and how that game is portrayed that's that's what makes a game a good esport the- if if you pay attention to what people ask for and if you really know how games are generally um accepted by gamers you can Tap in to that mental base of how gamers kind of connect and put together That's the pieces. That's why Fortnite is one of the biggest games because the developers, they're always on social media. Oh, yeah. They're on Reddit. Season. They're on Twitter. So many updates. And, always constantly changing the game. Right. And they're seeing what the community wants and their feedback and their ideas and they're implementing it. They're going, hey, we really like that. We're going to put it in. And they make it a part of it. I, I think that's such a big oh, part yeah. of it. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm praising Fortnite or anything. <laughs> uh, they deserve. They do. They deserve that. a lot They've of praise. Been doing a phenomenal job. The the biggest thing to me that I think why people are looking at Fortnite is just because of how it's designed from a player point of view. No matter what game style you have, no matter how you play or how you go about things, Fortnite gives you the freedom to do that. If you're an aggressive player and you go after other players and you're constantly taking their stuff and always pushing, then you have the ability to do that. If you're more of a defensive player and you like kind of camping out in houses and fortifying your defenses and making sure that you have a strong foothold before you have to move on to the next area, 
the game allows you to do that. So you have all these different ways that you can play this game, and that's what really makes it an eSport to me. I think, to me, that not only does it make it an eSport, I don't think that all games necessarily have to be like that. I do think that having different play styles is important, but I think more than anything that just the aspect of being able to compete in the game mm-hmm. is, is the major thing. However it's set up, however you can do it, as long as you're able to compete, I think that's what makes it an eSport. And really that back and forth caring relationship is so important. That's... I don't think that that necessarily makes it an eSport, but having a even a tiny player base that interacts with each other and plays these games to be the best and to compete... That's really what does it. A great example of that is Smash Brothers Melee. Yeah. Such an old game. Uh, it doesn't hold up too well visually. If you look at it now, you'd say, wow, that does not look that good. But people are still playing it. It's so good. It is still hosted at many different tournaments. It's still hosted at Full Bloom. That happens in Bloomington. So there's still a very, very big melee community even though ultimate came out i mean they still get at at evo the biggest fighting game tournament of the year it's one of the top signups every single year Uh, and we're talking like near a thousand people like i i think the numbers i saw for the last smash event were the new ult smash ultimate had like 40 more people signed up than melee and melee's what 17 at this point it's Smash pretty Ultimate old. Just came out. Yeah. yeah, Smash Ultimate is not even like a month old. Yeah. Well, I think it just became. Yeah, a month it just old, like yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. yesterday. Happy birthday or yeah. happy month day. Uh, <laughs> so also, what on on these games that becoming, you know, these good esports? Uh, there's an article I found from the US Gamer, which is an awesome place for all kinds of games. I games. agree. I agree. Um, Cat Bailey, one of the uh, the editor in chief, actually has an article about uh seven essential ingredients for a successful esport and we've brought up a couple of them and talked about it so i just want to say these seven real quick uh the first one that she says it has to be easy to grasp uh definitely which, yeah. Oh, definitely yeah. Like, yeah which is why these a fighting low, games are low so fun skill floor is important yeah. to get people in if um, you if you just throw too much information at a new player at once they're not it's it's insane yeah it's especially insane. visually oh yeah that's one of the problems with games like league and overwatch is that there's a lot going on visually so yeah. it's hard to mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. get your hands on but it's easy to play you don't have that many buttons yeah. you have to input necessarily and then so. that right away ties us into number 2 it has to be deeper than it looks. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. For sure. You know what happened. The there. skill ah. is so important. That's why melee is still as popular as it is because the amount of skill and stuff you can actually do and control in that game is huge compared to just how it looks. It's also why pong isn't an esport today. <laughs> hey, I'm bringing it back. I'm telling you, we're gonna go big, dude. I will pong, pong you so hard. Pong 2019. <laughs> I don't like the way you put that. And uh, the third, <laughs> the third option that it's given us as uh the developers must exercise a light but firm touch when it comes to balancing a game which we just talked about fortnite yeah. they have all these mm-hmm. these constant updates and they're constantly and adding there, there's complaints and stuff from people mm-hmm. some people yeah. i saw it in lee when they used to do patches every two weeks and they'd add a new character every two weeks it was like it's if you're too over the top with it if you are too heavy-handed you get a lot of backlash but if you're too 
laid back about fixing certain things and making your game better yeah, or updating your balance, like, people it. will get mad. That's there's a it. there's a good balance there. It is that kind of heavy-handed but not too much approach. Yep. And then number four, it needs to be inexpensive or even free. It, League is free. League is free. free. The is biggest free. games are free. Yeah. Fortnite's free. Overwatch only is only forty dollars if you don't get the complete Origins edition, but and you still get the it's full on game. Sale. Rainbow Six Siege just got it's down to fifteen dollars. Yeah, when it's on sale, it's like four. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. <laughs> it's nice. CS:GO just became free. Yeah. Yeah, CS:GO yeah. is free yeah, now. Yeah. That's you, a that's it, a crazy one. It was pretty weird because CS:GO was one of the biggest competitive games in a while, and then. It was like fifteen bucks always, and it just recently, I think, within the past three months, became free. Yeah, I mean, it was super recent. Yeah, it, it it's kind of bizarre to me. So now that just kind of revives that esport. I don't uh, even think it needed community. a revival. I mean, not really. At the Boston Major last year, they had what one point three million people watching on Twitch for that Cloud Nine win. I mean, it's like. Did, they I didn't even need to do that. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's mostly just because they added uh, the battle royale mode. Well, to, we don't. We don't. We don't, we don't like don't, talking about that's, that. That was a joke, fun thing. I think that they just released. And look at this. And that look also is in the number five. We talked about it a little bit earlier. We we're talking about with the, with you know, crowd reactions. Uh, it needs to do an effective job of building tension and punctuating it with dramatic uh, moments. CS:GO, man. Nothing like, is more tense. Playing it. Especially, but watching it, nothing is more tense than like two v one situations, three v one. Where someone pulls it off, the tension when it gets down to a one v one is so immense that the moment just explodes one way or oh, the yeah. other. Uh, to let our viewers know, just to kind of clarify things, CS:GO is a team-based shooting game, a lot like Overwatch, but it's less of the goal of doing an objective and more of a goal of like. Eliminating the enemy team. Well, it is also there, the objective. There, there's a, there yeah, is an objective, but you still have the option to just kill everyone. Yeah, which is easier said than done. Definitely, one hundred percent. Then, uh, as we we talked about a lot of these, actually, number six uh, needs a strong community. Like people got to be up and rally about it. Uh, That's why melee has yet yeah. to die. Yeah, I mean, nothing is more ground roots than that game. Like mm-hmm. nothing is more homegrown. Like, nobody supported us, we'll support ourselves, we love this game. And then, lastly, Seven, and it needs a big prize pool, which we, I don't think we've ever talked about that. I don't agree with that. I I don't agree with that point. I don't necessarily agree with that point, but it does definitely help. Yeah. It does help. There have been so many tournaments that I've seen and watched or helped run that have been community tournaments. That's still an eSport. That's still competitive and in the esports realm. You don't need a prize pool. No, yeah, and you definitely don't need a big one. <laughs> I mean, you like viewership's great and stuff, and you're going to get bigger prize pools with that. I think that that's one that is not necessarily, mm-hmm. in my mind, something that cr- makes or breaks something. As an but e-sport. but I, I, th- I would go along and say that it, with with the higher prize pool, it does put on that extra bit of tension for the crowd and everybody oh, else. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, oh, my gosh. For sure. There is... Two There's a million lot. dollars on the line there, right now. Yeah, with, Who's going to do it? Yeah, with like, Dota what? at the International, yep. where the winning team gets, what, four and a half million and second place gets like 1.3, that's a big <laughs> chunk of change different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in the NFL, if you win the Super Bowl, you get, what, 500000 a million bucks, but you're making a huge salary. In Dota, your salary is nowhere near 
as large as your four point yeah. five million dollar winning. Especially see with you know with a lot of esports, there's not cash replacing. There's I mean unless yeah. you get first or second, maybe I, they'll be lucky and do a third place cash prize. Right, but right. But I just it, think yeah. that that having one of your seven points be that the prize pool has to be large is very demeaning to a lot of games mm-hmm. that are not as big. And even then, I feel like that just makes a good esport event. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I mean, that's I think le- that that's less on the event. that's less on the game and more on the event. The one of the games that I worked was World of Tanks, and I worked that that's in right. North America for three seasons. And yes, the prize pool for the overall winner was one million dollars, and for North America, the winning team made a hundred thousand. But watching it and being a ref for it, I personally, I cannot pick out games that have been more competitive and and just like sheerly enjoyable. I didn't like World of Tanks necessarily when I first started getting into it and learning because since I had to be uh, an admin for it, but that game just taught me so much from like what an esport really is outside of viewership, outside of prize pools, outside of like community size like the competitive aspect was so monumental in that game that it was like that's what esports is to me it's not about numbers it's not about size it's about passion in the players and the community and having that competitiveness within it yeah i fullheartedly agree with everything that you just said I just think point seven isn't a good one. Yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's moving, it's, it's very uh, moving. Moving past that, though, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here soon. Mm-hmm. Um, before before we end this podcast, is there anything you two would like to say Final on the finishing thoughts. topics of more or less esports? I don't know. I feel pretty good. Uh, we we talked a lot about about uh, what makes esports a you know a big deal why yeah. it's why it's popular why do people watch it uh we talked about some basics of esports that it draws these massive crowds it draws all this massive attention it has all these crazy sponsors from brands that everyone's heard of um red bull coca-cola all this other stuff and just the fact that it's all easy for someone to get into um most people, I'd say, play a game uh, at to any degree. Either they play it casually, or they play it with their friends. Um, and you know that it's nice to see that these players uh, who play just kind of casually have this go-to to this esports type setting, where they can watch professional people play their game that they like and be like, "Wow, that's 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 insane." Like, this game that I've been playing as a little person, uh, you know, and they're doing so much better. Like, it's insane. I want to live up to that kind of deal. Like, that's that's crazy. Uh, a lot of players start out just being like, wow, it's crazy. One of, my, one of my favorite things about esports is kind of derivative of normal sports itself. And that just goes back to the original topic of enjoyment to a profession to a career that you want to do if you enjoy playing video games and 
you really enjoy like one game, it's competitive and you're really good at it, you can potentially, you know, go out to events, strut your stuff and get attention or even play on Twitch. Uh, You just get viewers naturally because of your skill and then you get attention and the next thing you know it, some agent has contacted you and says hey you're pretty good how would you feel about playing for you know so and so like a hundred thieves or stuff like that mm-hmm. when it comes to normal sports you have to go through so many different channels to be a part of a professional basketball team or professional fo- football team and that's what I really like about esports is because it feels a lot more open to people Anyone anyone can be a really, really good video game player. Yeah. And that kind of converts to anyone can be a really, really good esports player when in sports it's like you can be a good basketball player, but if you don't know the proper channels to go through or you don't know a guy who knows a guy, or you're you not... you don't have the size, you just didn't yeah, get lucky. Yeah, you, you just didn't get lucky with the size, then that can be really that can just really diminish any any uh, potential greatness. Yeah, diminish any potential greatness and also just like any of self-will to want to go forward yeah. with that activity. Yeah. So that's my favorite thing about esports is that it just feels a lot more open to people to be a part of. For me, it's... Even as a fan, because again, that's still the interactivity. Yeah, right. For, for me, it's two things. One's the quick one, which is... Uh, Esports has kind of given me a sense of purpose and a job, so that's fantastic to me. Uh, I love having a job. It's awesome. Um, And the second one is I absolutely adore how it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor from any other country. If you play games, you can be the best by sheer will. There's no... Your entry barrier is way smaller than other things. And the fact that it brings us all together in such a major way from so many different places and backgrounds is, to me, the absolute ultimate. Before, so we're going to wrap up here. Let's do a quick little review. What is esports? Esports is enveloping. It's easy to get into... It's not all that much different from normal sports. It has a bigger impact on our lives than most would think. Uh, and it is just a step away from greatness. It is. It's already We're great. We're so close. Oh, yeah. But. We're getting there. The next, the next, the next podcast will get more mm-hmm. into our organization and how it is involved with esports and more or less what is our role in the esports community. So I'll be really excited to talk about that on the next podcast. Yep. But until then. So far, yep. Uh, yeah. That's what we got going on for next podcast. Uh, we're planning on getting this out every two weeks. Um, and then that way, uh, next podcast, like uh, like Corbin said, um, we're just going to have a bunch of the uh, executives and admins for uh, our Cardinal Esports organization come by and uh, each give them their, their little spiel and let them hear what they have to do for the for the organization. Um, so uh, Corbin um, and Larch, they didn't talk much about what they did today. Just a little hint. So we'll dive in more about that later. Next yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot um, to get in. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a lot. lot there's, there's a lot, lot that, that we do. Yeah. 
Before um, before we turn off, can I do a shameless little plug? Do it. Uh, if you have any questions about esports, about Cardinal esports, or just how to get involved in general, do not be afraid to email my email at cmcreedon at bsu.edu. That's cmcreedon at bsu.edu. Email me. Any questions you have, I'd be more than happy to answer them. Awesome. Well, I guess that does it for our first Cardinal Esports podcast. Uh, You got your host right here, uh, Nathan Valdez. Then you got Today's guest, we got President Corbin Creedon, and then we got our Cord King over here, Larch. I, I refuse to call him by his real name. Because That's fair. Most people don't. He doesn't look like his real name. Uh, what is that supposed to be? You don't look like an Alex, what? is what I'm trying to what say. What are you talking about? Uh, we what might, does an Alex look like? Uh, we might you. have to get off here soon. Yeah, I'm going to have to right. leave and fight you. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it. Bye. Uh, thanks for paying attention. Thanks for giving us your time. Love you. I'll miss you. Ha <laughs>